Hi, I'm Tom Hansen. And I'm Kat Hansen. In 2014, our son Harding was diagnosed with congenital heart disease. And since then, we have experienced the ups and downs that come along with being a CHD parent. In this podcast, we share some of the lessons we've learned along the way and the things we wish we knew at the start of our journey. In each episode, we also chat with CHD experts to get their stories of hope, encouraging insights, and valuable resources to give parents like us the right help at the right time. This is the Hope and Courage Podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. Today, we have a great episode for you. We talked with Dr. Nicholas Madsen. Dr. Madsen is the Chief of Cardiology at Children's Health Dallas, but more specifically, he was our son Harding's cardiologist for many years based mm-hmm. out of Cincinnati Children's Hospital. That's right. And he was the best. He's great. I think CHD parents have a lot of hero worship built in. You know, if someone's mm-hmm. taking care of your kid or saving your kid or providing great care to your kid, you just love him and worship him. So Dr. Madsen has a special place in our heart. But I know right. that Dr. Madsen really just represents all of the great uh, staff and cardiologists and nurses and doctors that work with all of the kiddos out there. Right. I think you guys are really going to love him. I know we do a lot. Some of the things we talk about in this episode, we get a little bit of his background, but we talk about what's on the cutting edge of cardiology, what's coming in the future, what are things that we can be excited about as CHD parents. We also talk about the relationship that CHD parents have with their cardiologists and the way to shape that to be really productive and healthy. And lastly, we cover just how important it is to build that relationship of trust with your cardiologist, how important it is for them to be inviting of your questions, and also how important it is for you to be proactive as a parent. Okay, so let's jump to our conversation with Dr. Madsen. So, uh, Dr. Madsen, so excited to talk to you. You know, uh, I think as I was thinking about this conversation, the thing that got me really excited is, uh, you being Harding's cardiologist for so long, it, you know, we've had lots of conversations with you and in the context of of uh, cardiology, right? And But I would really love to learn more about you as a person. I think that's something that we always wondered and wanted to know more of, of the health professionals that are working with our kiddo, um, but also just learning um, just your thoughts on uh, life for CHD parents outside of mm-hmm. a, a medical context per se. And I think you'll have a really interesting perspective there, but maybe just kicking off, do you think maybe you could just give us a little bit of your story, your background, and what le- what led you to pediatric cardiology? Yeah, you bet. Yeah. Firstly, let me just start by saying thanks to both of you for um, for the opportunity to have this discussion and, and uh, you know, huge compliments to to the work you guys are doing. I, it's, um, while um, relatively new, I think you guys are knocking it out of the park and, and I think these contributions are, are super important to the community. So um, yeah, thanks very much and excited Thank to you. be a small part of it. Thanks, we're gonna use that as a commercial. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome to it, exactly. And yeah, exactly. you could also just talk, if you could just talk about Pepsi Cola a little bit, just right. take it from the top. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. We'll we'll plant a few sort of commercial advertisements throughout. I know sponsorships are super important. Yes. Um, My road to pediatric cardiology, pretty intentional. I think a lot of um, a lot of people, when they end up going into pediatric cardiology, it's one of the careers you can identify relatively early because it's it's such a specific subset of pediatrics in terms of of the how it integrates multiple fields, surgery, you know, sort of radiology, all these other components. So my story is similar to that. Um, 
I always knew that I wanted to do pediatrics. Um, it was one of those things where you just identify yourself in that environment and, and you, you know, you guys probably noticed with Harding, right? I, I, I like the direct interaction mm -hmm. with the pediatric patient and they're the, usually the only people that will laugh at my jokes or just <laughs> give me that kind of weird look that says, I'm not going to laugh at your dumb joke, but either way, it feels like a victory. Um, and so I knew that pretty early. And when, you know, one of the things that really attracted me to pediatric cardiology when I understood it very early is that it's really that full spectrum of care from fetal diagnosis, you know, newborn clinical needs, outpatient care, all the way into adulthood. And that just really appealed to me. It was sort of the mix of the, of the urgent and, and at times emergent, and then also some of the long, long-term visions and, mm. and uh, that kind of that being a member of that uh, exchange uh, always really appealed to me. And so, you know, that plus a few other things really drew me in very early and, and have, you know, sort of unwavered from that point on. Mm. That's awesome. And so, what hospitals and programs have you worked at and been been a part of? I um, I went to medical school in Seattle at the University of Washington, um, and then did all my training, pediatrics training, cardiology training um, at the Seattle Children's Hospital. So um, my family and I, I started my family really in Seattle, and we were there for twelve years in total, and then um, moved to Cincinnati Children's. Uh, where I spent the subsequent nine years and had the great pleasure of meeting awesome kids like Harding. The time there was full of, I think, uh, amazing growth and, and, and opportunity. And, and that ultimately led to an opportunity at uh, Children's Health Dallas uh, uh, here in, in Texas. And as you guys know, uh, started down here just uh, a few months ago. Wow, that's yeah. awesome. How's it going so far? It's been great. It's, uh, it's, you know, it's, it's always daunting to start something new. Sure. Um, but I think, you know, challenges, I, challenges are exciting. And uh, uh, I, I, you know, like the idea of doing something new. And, and, um, and I, you know, I think there's opportunities, there's opportunity to take a lot of what I've learned in, in my lifetime from, my, you know, my, at least my professional lifetime from Seattle and Cincinnati and, and apply some of that here and then also learn from the environment here and, um, you know, sort of uh, uh, hopefully continue to grow as a, as a pediatric cardiologist. What does your new role entail? How is it different or is mm -hmm. it very much the same? Yeah, so I am the chief of cardiology here um, uh, in Dallas. And, and so, um, you know, uh, it's the it's the person that leads the division of pediatric cardiology, um, you know, uh, in Cincinnati, I, I eventually became the medical director, which was sort of the, you know, second in charge or vice principal in charge of discipline or something like that. <laughs> uh, uh, and so the opportunity to be the chief down here, what really appealed to me was the opportunity to have a real hand in growing a heart center for, I think, what is the next era of pediatric cardiology. I, I really see us on, on a new era where um, not only are we doing all the things that have, have really advanced and gone really well, but I think we're thinking about patients a little bit differently um, and mm. maybe more holistically. Um, mm. And you know, being able to, to have a hand in, in cultivating a center with that in mind was, was really attractive.
Wow. Yeah. That's really interesting um, be- that you brought that up because, you know, I think as we've kind of gotten involved and attended some conferences and had different conversations and things like that, um, it really seems like this, the field, the pediatric cardiology field is just one that is just having explosive growth and innovation. But I, I remember a, a cardiologist said that when, when, when we're looking at the issues or the problems that we're dealing with now, what we have to constantly remember is that there's a population of humans on the planet that have never been on the planet before. Right. And, you know, the, the, there's so much unknown and there's so there's everything so new and things mm-hmm. are developed. And so, you know, I can see why that would be a really interesting and exciting field to be in for sure. Um, yeah. But I guess my question to kind of what you had mentioned there, what is on the cutting edge? Like what's next? I mean, if you were, if we're, if we've got CHD parents listening, what what's on the horizon in the next five or 10 years? Like, what do you think uh, is the direction there? Uh, I think it's, it's a great question and it's, it's it's something to really reflect on, and, and I think um, as as you guys know, and as you just verbalized, we are in an era where there are new patient types that didn't exist before, and um, you know we can make it a, a personal discussion. And, and you you as you guys know, you know Harding wouldn't have the the opportunity to thrive several decades ago that he has today, and that is. That is very exciting and daunting. And I think that motivates us to really innovate. Um, and there, there are lots of opportunities. I think we're innovating in the operating room mm-hmm. in terms of materials that we're using. You know, I think the approaches, like the surgical approaches, maybe that's not where the innovation is as much as, as the materials that we're using and the type of care that we provide for the child in the operating room, meaning how long they're exposed to anesthesia, mm-hmm. how long they're exposed to the bypass circuit, those mm-hmm. kinds of things. You know, it, it, is, it is a period of time where we have really innovated so that, the, so that the children are healthy when they're in the operating room, but can we further optimize that? And I think that's, that's a real opportunity for us. But then I think even more so, there's a lot of attention to what does that period after the operating room look like? What does the ICU experience look like, both in the medicines that we use, but also in the environment that we create? Is it healthy to be in an environment where there is no opportunity for rest at a time where rest is so important? Is it healthy to be using medications that are um, so critical right now, but we don't know really the consequences for tomorrow? And how do we navigate that? And how do we innovate in terms of our uses of medication or the types of medication, and then to draw that out even further, um, we are we are so fortunate that survival uh, is what it is today. Mm-hmm. But what would that draws our attention to? Are we helping kindergartners be as successful as we want them to be? Are we helping right. you know high schoolers have a quote unquote um, opportunity throughout their high school experience? Are we helping uh, adults become fulfilled in the way that we all hope to be fulfilled. And mm-hmm. I think as we think about those uh, concepts, as we think about the mental health components related to that, mm-hmm. um, I, I see all of that as within the responsibility of the heart center. And really the, the modern heart center, it doesn't stop and start at the doors to the hospital or the doors to the operating room. And I think that 
that is where we'll see, we're going to see a tremendous amount of growth um, in the coming years. Man, that's so exciting. Yeah. This gives me like goosebumps. That's like really, really cool. It's cool because there's like, there's issues that I, I remember a, a cardiologist saying this too, that like there are issues that we have today in the field that will be solved in mm-hmm. seven years, you know, like it won't be an issue in the very near future. And that's like something that I try to like encourage other CHD parents about that, like the, the solutions to the problems that we're having are not that far off yeah. and that there is hope for the future for our kids. Yeah, no, you know, I think that there, there, there are big elements. I mean, I think that there are solutions just to, to, to talk about something you guys know so much about, right? In terms of management of Fontan circulations, that's mm-hmm. going to look different in five to 10 years. Mm-hmm. You know, are we even are we even going through the whole Fontan pathway in ten years? Pro- probably not, right? right? I mean, that will will be different, and and I think, you know, that leaves us two areas to innovate. For those that that have a Fontan circulation, how are we innovating on their behalf? Mm-hmm. And for those that would have had a Fontan circulation, how are we innovating on their behalf? Right? And it's sort mm-hmm. of two parallel pathways, very related, but potentially distinctly different depending on right. what those innovations look like. And, um, and, you know, I think it's, it's an exciting time. It's, it's a tremendous time to partner both with, with other physicians and, and, and medical collaborators, but also with, with parents and, and, and advocacy groups as we really come to understand some of the, um, the longer, longer term consequences of the decisions we make so early in life, mm-hmm. as well as I think opportunities to, to partner with, with industry in a way that we hadn't imagined before. I mean, as we think about how do we partner with monitoring that can occur outside of the hospital, right? right? So much of what we do today, you know, hospital looks one way and then you go home. Well, maybe that will change. Maybe you go home much sooner because you can create monitoring in the home environment Right. That, you know, families who have uh, gone through the single ventricle pathway are familiar with, oh, we check stats at home, mm-hmm. but probably that's going to look really rudimentary to what we're going to be doing 10 years from now. And is that an opportunity to get out of the hospital much earlier mm-hmm. in a safe and effective way? And I suspect it will be. Yeah, yeah. that's so beneficial. Yeah, man, it's, uh, I remember, you know, I, I remember... I knew that you were the right cardiologist for us. I mean, in the conversations we had and, and just, you know, obviously the, the passion and energy and, and brilliance that you bring to it. And, um, and I know you'd be too humble to admit that. But the other thing is, I remember we were uh, checking out of a hospital stay and we have these, at Sensei Children's, we had these uh, like required videos that we had to watch mm-hmm. on the way out um, kind of thing. I think you know where I'm going with this. And uh <laughs> And I remember the video was uh, like, oh, it's just a uh, uh, warning signs. And we had to watch it. And Very then a, music, a, a 1980s-esque music video comes on. <laughs> and it's a musical group. And it's the it's called uh, Dr. Madsen and the Heartthrobs. Yeah. And it is you and a bunch of other uh, uh, cardiologists and other yeah. heart people. And you were singing a song about like the warning signs. Um, and man, it was it was just golden. It, it was, was good. Yeah, part. you know, we had no idea when we were making that that it would be the most impactful thing that any <laughs> of us could do in our careers. But it's remarkable. I mean, we thought, oh, you know, we, you know, it was set to the Ghostbusters theme, right? right? And right. who, who you're going to call cardiology, 
And we thought, oh, you know, there's a new Ghostbusters movie coming out. We'll play this for six months while that, that movie is out. It'll get a, it will give us a laugh and then we'll move on because it's too ridiculous. <laughs> and and it, the amazing thing is that there was no moving on. And, and to be quite honest, like families would ask routinely, yes. when are you going to make another one? Yeah. yeah. And, oh, yeah. And, and, you know, I actually think to, to touch on something, you know, uh, related to that, I think it's it's the it's the humanity that we share mm-hmm. in that video that's so identifiable right yeah. that we are we are willing to make fun of ourselves and mm-hmm. and 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 it's not that we don't take our work seriously right we right. couldn't right. be more serious about it but we don't take ourselves that seriously which is always a good quality mm-hmm. but it was this application that we we we're 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 partners with you in this effort and if we I don't know. We sort of felt like, well, if we demystify a little bit of like who we are or, or sort of build some of those bridges mm-hmm. that that would resonate. And and I think, as you might remember from that video, the message was really, um, we want you to call us anytime. Right. And we thought, well, if we make fun of ourselves, maybe we will take some of that, you know, sort of, you know, inertia away from making those phone calls and, and, yeah. um, yeah, no, it's it's yeah, it's remarkable how um, how much affection uh, that <laughs> video has received. Yeah. But it, it for me really resonated with the idea that you know if we if we approach the alliance that we have with patients and families mm-hmm. from that human point of view where we are all in this together, um, there's a lot to learn from that. And and um, and you know, so we had great fun making it and had have had a lot of fun laughing at it uh, over the years. No, it's great. it's great. I remember uh, I was actually with Harding as we were checking out. Cat was at home at that point. Yeah. And uh, I remember I'm like, "Where's my cell phone? I have to get a picture of this for Cat." Like I'm just like, <laughs> and I, I like sent her a little clip or something. We were just dying laughing, and it was it was good. You're right. It was it was just a moment of levity, and and you know, um, yeah. It, it was just in the fact that you know you have people that are willing to have fun and and make fun of themselves. I think that's so great. You know, obviously, uh, you uh, are in a role where you have worked with dozens, hundreds of families or kids and different contexts and a medical expert. But I'm really interested in kind of picking your brain a little bit. Um, You know, you've obviously seen and interacted with with um, families as a whole and a lot of parents. And I think you you may have picked up on some patterns or just things that you've Mm. seen or some best practices. And I would really love to hear from kind of your perspective, what, what advice or what thoughts do you have for CHD parents to, you know, persevere through challenging times and to, to find hope and joy and, and have courage through the stuff that they're going through? What, what thoughts do you have there? Yeah, it's a great question. Uh, You know, what is clear is that it, it is, it is a marathon, right? As you, as you guys know. And, and, um, and I think what I would say more than anything is, is there is no one size fits, fits all right. I don't, Mm -hmm. I don't pretend to be the right cardiologist for every patient and every family. Um, but I do think that one of sort of the core components is for families to pursue, um, therapeutic, uh, alliances where they feel like they can communicate, right? Mm-hmm. For whatever whatever reason, 
that the channels of communication open. And, you know, some families are more reserved. Mm-hmm. Some families want an incredible amount of information and we're happy to give it. Some families only want what they would deem the necessary information and we're mm-hmm. happy to give it because looking too far ahead doesn't suit their sort of outlook. Mm-hmm. What, what, I would, um, what I would counsel more than anything is that your cardiology team wants to partner with you. And what I think is important is that you can speak to that concept of what does partnership look like uh, to you as a, as a, as a family and to verbalize that. And, and, you know, it can be directly or indirectly, but even just comments like, you know, I know we're asking a lot of questions, but asking a lot of questions and hearing your answers really helps us navigate this journey Hmm. or, um, the, the counterbalance to that is, thank you for, for providing us this much information. I want you to know that what is most important for us to know is really what's going to happen in the next few months. And then we'll talk about a couple years from now in a couple years from now, right? And, mm-hmm. and I think as families are um, going through their journey, I, uh, their, the ability to, to personalize those interactions, I think is really critically important. Um, mm. You know, the, what, 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 is, what is increasingly obvious to me is when, as a, as a cardiologist, where I have the pleasure and the privilege of meeting all of these patients and, and families, there's so many walks of life. It's as if you're mm. driving on the interstate and you're just meeting the driver and the family in every car that you pass. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they are all coming from different neighborhoods and going different directions and are leading different lives. And in our instance, each one of those cars has a child with congenital heart disease or heart Mm -hmm. disease of some type. Mm -hmm. And the needs are different, right? In the same way that those cars express their differences in the speed that they drive or the manner that they drive, that's what we interact with in the clinical environment. And so Mm -hmm. as we work to build the right environment for each one of our patients and families, I think encouraging families to really um, come to those interactions with with some declarations of intention mm. um, helps us a lot as we um, help them through their journey because it's, you know, we're, we're going to provide the best practices for their, you know, th- these are the evidence-based medications. These are the evidence-based approaches. We're going to do that no matter what, Mm -hmm. but that is not the entirety of the, of the, of the care that we're providing. The care goes beyond that. And I think how we navigate that is a interplay with the, with the patient family and the provider. And and I think um, I would just encourage that kind of willingness to say, our, we would like our personal journey to look like X. Can you help us do that? That's awesome. I think, you know, I think if I think back to, you know, the very first cardiologist we met after we got diagnosed, it was so intimidating, not because he was not kind or anything like that, but we were coming at it with like a high school education of what a heart is. You're like, listen, I dissected a frog, <laughs> so I'm pretty sure. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that is... You know, and unless the parent whose kid is being diagnosed is in the medical field in, in some yeah. regard, I think that's how most CHD parents yeah. feel walking into yeah. that first meeting with their cardiologist. 
And the intensity of the experience only ramps ramps up from there, right? Mm -hmm. Like the surgeries and the recoveries or if there's any complications. And it's hard for parents to catch up, you know, and, and to be able to vulnerably say to their cardiologist, like, I have no idea what you just said, you know, yeah. or just like, mm -hmm. can you exp can you explain that to me like I'm a five-year-old or can you help me better understand, you know, my son or daughter's diagnosis? Those can be really hard questions to ask, especially in the the PTSD of it all. Mm -hmm. um you know the stress the anxiety and the shock of it right yeah yeah no i think you're exactly right and i i don't think we've we haven't um established sort of the best way of of doing that we we right. acknowledge it as a medical field in ways that we never used to that 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 condition exists mm -hmm. um and so i think that's a good place to start that we we understand it and we hear those those experiences in ways that um, maybe weren't always true for our field. Mm. But I think it's, you know, how do we do that? I, I, so much of it is, um, I know we talked about a lot. I want you to know that when I, when we're together again in clinic, we can talk about it all over again, right? Mm. Like um, let's digest what we digested today in terms of information and, 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 and information sharing. And then let's talk about some of it again next time and, and just know that I'm available. I mean, to go back to that video we talked about a few minutes ago, it was really about, about providing a availability or an approachability of the medical team so that you could be vulnerable, right? right. I mean, I think yeah. if we show vulnerability, then the families and the patients are more likely to show that vulnerability. Yeah. And I think the willingness to do that helps to... Um, identify where the gaps may be or where the stressors may be. And, right. and um, you know, even, you said even, you know, uh, without a medical education, you know, I've had the good fortune of, of taking care of uh, children of physicians of various types. And unless they're a pediatric cardiologist, we have a bit of our own language. I mean, mm -hmm. it is, it is even, you know, you could be a, adult rheumatologist, well-trained and, and all of those things. And pediatric cardiology is still intimidating. And the truth mm -hmm. is the, the other part that, that changes is was when it's your child, you, you are no longer um, completely objective when it comes to information sharing, yeah. right? Because, because when you hear things, you hear them with hope, you mm -hmm. hear them with frustration, you mm -hmm. hear them with, um, with want, and, you know, that's not how we exchange information outside of this if we were in a medical school classroom, right? Sure. And so I think um, uh, identifying that, uh, being a willingness to be vulnerable and expressing those thoughts and feelings is, is crucially important. Mm. I think what you said is really important. It's something that we felt uh, continually when we were at um, Cincinnati Children's was, you know, an invitation to partner and be involved. You know, oh, I yeah. think... All the time. I, I think because, and I, I think I thought you all do such a great job of just like encouraging us to join rounds, encouraging us to speak up, encouraging us to have thoughts or questions, or even even if it's kind of a little off the wall a little bit, right? Um, and because I think, you know, I think your point of, you know, encouraging CHD parents that, you know, even when, uh, even if they were in a situation where they weren't super invited in, but that desire is still there, you know? And oh, yeah. I think, I think that, you know, CHD parents just taking, 
the initiative. And I think there's, I think what I'm hearing from you too, is it's really, it's a two pronged approach. It's there's, there's a kind of self-awareness, you know, of Mm -hmm. just what kinds of, where am I and what kinds of, of what kind of journey do I want, as you said, right in this. And then the second approach is, uh, you know, being proactive and and speaking up and Mm -hmm. jumping in and, and engaging, even if you feel like I'm lost or, this is not, I don't know what I'm talking about. They're going to think I'm, I'm just going to sound stupid or whatever, you know, like they're not thinking that, you know? No, I mean, I think we're only, um, we're only glad to receive those questions and those interactions. And I, and I think, you know, this is where the work you guys are doing is so crucially important because the other opportunity is for some families, you know, breaking the ice on that, first vulnerable question is just too hard, right? Mm-hmm. And so, well, then what you can do is you find resources and you move people to resources and you you say, ask this exact question. Mm-hmm. And then they can bring that question to the interaction. And they're going to say, this isn't my question. I'm just reading this from this mm-hmm. parent support group. And right. it is blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, that breaks the ice. And I, and, and I think it's fortunate. And I hope that we continue to grow some of the tremendous advocacy work that's happening out mm-hmm. in the CHD community. Um, because I think that it's, it is, it is really critical. And I think it, it gives families that safety of knowing, well, I'm not the only person had, that has felt it's really hard to ask a question, or I'm not the only person that's had a hard time breaking the ice. And, and, you know, sometimes it's, it's simple questions and, and you just don't understand the, the, the answer, but sometimes it's scary questions, right? Where you're, right, yeah where you're asking this scary question, like, I want to know the answer, but I also don't want to know the answer. Right. And, you know, how do I ask that question? Mm-hmm. So what's the, uh, I'm just curious if, if you could maybe think of one, mm-hmm. what's the best simple question that see uh, that a CHD parent has asked you before? Oh, I think, you know, there's, there's multiple. I mean, I think one of the best questions is, is it okay to ask you lots of questions or, mm-hmm. Um, how can I reach out to you outside of clinic when I have questions mm-hmm. or, you know, you know, sort of the, the, the questions that facilitate more questions, I think are often the most uh, valuable. It's sort of like, you know, wh- you know, what do your kids tell you is the way the first wish when you get a genie in a bottle? <laughs> well, it's a thousand more wishes, obviously. Right. <laughs> so it's like, so the, the best question is, is not a singular question. It's 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 the question that allows for a lifelong, you know, relationship with that provider uh, for the sake of your child. And so, the the question that unlocks that is, I think, the right one because circumstances change. I'll go back to that ridiculous video once again. When when the family, it was actually family motivated. They came to us and said, we need a video that tells us all the red flags to look for when we leave the hospital. It is so scary. Mm-hmm. Please give us all the red flags to look for so we know when to call. Mm-hmm. Well, that list is infinitely long because there mm-hmm. are the classic red flags. Then there's the second tier of classic red flags. But then there are the red flags that exist under the most unusual circumstances. And so we could have just given the world's longest list that would have been undigestible and unuseful. And so instead, what we did is we created an environment where we said, any question you have is a good question, Mm. right? Because this this is going to come up. And, you know, one of the the quotes from 
from that video is um, if, if mom and dad are having a discussion about should we call, well, then we wish you would have already called. Mm -hmm. There's no reason to have that discussion, mm -hmm. especially because usually mom is right and dad needs to just realize that that's the circumstance. <laughs> and there's no reason to weigh in, right? And so, I, you know, that, so anyway, to go back to what your, your original question, I, I really think the best questions are those that unlock the relationship and allow for all of the, you know, we don't, none of us can predict the future. So there are things that we're going to, we're going to encounter that we were hoping to not encounter. We didn't realize we would encounter. And so having an environment where we can, we can co-manage those together, um, I think is, is the, the real, uh, the real key. You know, I have a question the uh, so I talked so, to so so you're you're inviting more questions now, right? So we can get started. Right. Yeah, exactly. That, that was the invitation for lots of <laughs> questions. I give you a thousand questions. I, <laughs> I was talking to another cardiologist, um, and one of the questions I asked him was, you know, what's one thing that you wish every CHD parent knew? And one of mm -hmm. the things he said was, you know, I wish they knew more about when you're inpatient and your kid is like recovering from a surgery, it's often like two steps forward, one step back. Yeah. Uh, because what he sees a lot is parents getting frustrated with, you know, the time that it takes for their child to recover. And, you know, obviously if there's any complications that, you know, that we, like what we experienced, you know, it can be much longer than you anticipate. Mm. So I'm curious if there's anything like that in your mind, like, man, I wish CHD parents had a better understanding mm -hmm. from your perspective as a cardiologist in like the care of the CHD child. What, what's something you wish that they knew? Yeah, I, that's, that, that comment was, you know, uh, was a really good one. I think it is something that we, um, that we, we hope to impart so that families can better anticipate those kind of, um, unexpected uh, events, mm -hmm. though none of us want them to happen. The thing that I wish that, that families knew, um, or we communicated better, which is probably a better way of putting it, mm. is that the, um, the journey will never be linear. And so that's, but mm. it, there will, there will be new discoveries along the way. Mm -hmm. Some of those discoveries will be disappointments of new diagnoses. Mm -hmm. I, I actually think one of some of the hardest um, the family conversations I've had is when a family has has sort of wrapped their arms around this is the diagnosis, this is my child, mm -hmm. these are the circumstances, and then something new is introduced, and you see the disappointment yeah. of wait a second, like listen, we had steeled ourselves that our child has hypoplastic left heart syndrome mm -hmm. and this particular kidney injury, but that's it because that's mm -hmm. enough. And right. now you're telling us that there's also a liver problem. Like, right. how dare you tell us that there's also this liver problem? We, you know, we, we're not ready for that, right? Right. And I think how we can better communicate that there will be those those episodes. And and while none of us want those episodes, we will be there to support you, just like we supported you through earlier mm -hmm. episodes. And similarly, there will also be these moments of of joy mm -hmm. that will be unexpected. And I think, you know, how we can help families prepare for that is, um, 
is something we're still working on. And, you know, mm-hmm. in truth, it's just life, right? Yeah. I mean, you, you know, um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, all, all, every day we, we deal with unexpected events, some of them surprising and wonderful, some of them disappointing and uh, horrible. Mm-hmm. And, you know, how we navigate those and the resiliency that we build into the system is, um, is crucial. And, and I, you know, I, I don't know, I've, I've, to be honest, and the reason I'm struggling a smidge for words is I haven't quite figured out how to communicate that in a way that's effective without mm-hmm. stealing families' hope, because, you know, hope is crucial and hope, we, we should all have hope for, for what's to come. And that's what we're always building towards. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, sort of saying, well, we may encounter this and, and, and how do we navigate that? Um, and anticipate it. It's tr- it's tricky. It's because you know nothing could matter more right. than your child's health, and so you know sort of saying, well, I'm ready to hear all the things that could happen but won't happen. Well, I don't want to hear actually. Actually, I don't want to hear any of those things. And right. it's it's a tricky circumstance. I think there's a lot of foreboding. You know, when when mm-hmm. CHC parents hear about the diagnosis and and just to hear that. There are going to be unexpected moments of joy. I mean, that's just mm-hmm. a great thing to hear, right? And yeah. it's true, you know. Um, you know, for us, it has that I think is a great way, a good testament of our journey through this. There, were, there mm-hmm. have been some very difficult, diff- difficult situations, but there's been a lot of joy. And I think what what we've really found is there's also that that middle in between. You know, mm-hmm. there's a lot of life in between those of the peaks and valleys, and yeah. and you can be so anxious and scared about the upcoming Valley or the potential Valley that mm-hmm. you lose those times, you know? Yeah. And, you know, we were yeah. just talking to a CHD parent and that was it. It was like a big thought that we really worked through. It was just like, man, it, the, one of the, one of the good things that CHD has brought us is just this appreciation for every day, man. When, mm-hmm. when someone shares about a pregnancy and the first ultrasound, I think in past times it would kind of be like, ex, you know, like, of course the kid's healthy. Yeah. But when someone tells me that a kid's healthy, I'm like, oh my gosh, yeah. that's incredible. <laughs> yeah. Like that's so great, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. and you know, when Harding can do the monkey bars or when he yeah. um we had a good we had a parent teacher conference and he's hitting all of his marks in in his academics, we're like, Yes, this is incredible, yeah. you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, and those maybe isn't a, a isn't isn't a peak necessarily, but you know, it, it is something that you know, the foreboding can just steal that joy from you and just the every day, you know? It's yeah, really... no, I, yeah, I, I, I agree completely. You know, we, we're all told at various points in life to stop and smell the roses, but it, we, it, is, really the, it is really right. I mean, there, there's a remarkableness to everyday life. And, and I think as we, as we appreciate those joys together, there are, there, yeah, there, there are brilliant reminders all around us. And, and, and an openness to that, um, and, and you know, some of it is baked into our systems where um, we th- we we're always thinking about what's next or what's mm-hmm. to come or what could be slightly better or uh, in one way or another, whether it's CHD related or not. And mm-hmm. I think um, having that moment to just say this is pretty great, and yeah. you know, what could what could be more infinite and more complete than love, right? Mm-hmm. And and. And those moments of you, I just feel love in this environment. And that's not dependent on an A on a social studies test or, you know, your soccer team winning the uh, tournament or whatever the case may be. It's just Mm -hmm. that like, 
in this moment, I feel tremendous love from my child to my child. Mm -hmm. And that isn't limited by CHD. CHD does not take that away at at any moment. Mm -hmm. And in fact, sometimes it even heightens it. And I think Mm -hmm. uh, uh, a, a, um, an open discussion around the, there will love will not be diminished by CHD and and right. and what could be more what could be more important in life than that and so um, you know I, it's it's not something I often talk about with families in the clinic space right because it's mm-hmm. the, uh, I think most people would be like this guy has lost his <laughs> mind but <laughs> but it you know I think that is true and and mm-hmm. and you know we. We're an achievement-oriented society, sure. and um, and you know that's notable because we do things like send rockets to the moon, and that's pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you know, let's not forget the fact that that you know what really matters day to day is the the love we have for each other, and 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 I think in many ways CHD heightens that, and it, it certainly doesn't diminish it. So in the uh, in the spirit of being uh, open and approachable. Yeah. Uh, why don't we do our segment of bag of questions where we just ask you random questions with no prep yes. time okay, and, and just uh, see what kind of good stuff we can get. And these are kind of like fun, kind of interesting questions. What mm-hmm. do you think? You up for that? Absolutely. Bring it on. Okay, here we go. Um, here's an interesting one. So as a child, what was your dream job? Oh, easy. Initially, it was to be Indiana Jones. Ah. <laughs> So I don't know if it was the hat or the adventure or you all always those wore things. a bull whip to our yes. cardiology meeting. I always I had wondering. that bull whip around, right? Exactly. <laughs> that was, you know, that's when parents misbehave. We didn't get into that, but you know, that's we had to you had to set those reminders. Um, yeah. So Indiana Jones, and when I found out that Indiana Jones wasn't a real person, and in fact that wasn't a real sort of career, right. then I quickly navigated uh, or sort of reoriented myself. Uh, and I wanted to be the uh, jungle boat cruise captain at Disneyland because I felt like, well, that was sort of the sense of adventure as well. And, you know, they, you had that sort of, you know, cap gun and, you know, there was that, I thought that was great. And then even when I realized that that wasn't real, I just really liked their jokes. (laughs) That's great. That's a great answer. Um, Oh, I, this is a good one. What's your favorite eighties or nineties jam? Other than Ghostbusters. Can't do the Ghostbusters theme. Ghostbusters, yeah. I mean that would that would make some sense. <laughs> uh, you know, um I I remember I think it was eighth grade and you had to fill out this form about your favorite, you know, movie and your favorite and one of my favorites on that eighth grade list is favorite song. It's, I think it's still pretty high on the list, and that's Rob Bass, It Takes Two. That's a great song, right? Yeah. I mean, how can, that song comes on and it's on. <laughs> look out! Look out for Dr. Madsen. Clear the dance floor. Clear the dance floor. I mean, that song—it's got something special. That's for sure. That's great. Um, so, last question: What's your personal motto? Um, yeah, the closest thing to it is what I um, ask my kids to think about all the time which is, uh, are they being kind and courageous? Mm-hmm. And, and um, you know, uh, I think so much of what we, what we aspire towards is how we, you know, what we hope our kids emulate or pursue. And for me, it's always been, you know, I, I don't really 
ultimately care what they do with their lives. If they are kind and courageous, then I will back it 100%. And, and um, you know, I just think that there's a lot of value in those two particular qualities. Uh, do you have anything going on that you want to uh, get the word out for or um, anything, anything like that? Yeah, I mean, I think, um, you know, we, we here in, in, in Dallas, uh, at, um, are working on, on several endeavors. I think it's, it's in partnership with, with lots of communities. You know, one of the things that we're, we're really trying to lead on is some of these collaboratives that exist within, um, within pediatric cardiology. We talked a little bit about NPCQIC, uh, earlier and, and there are a few others, um, uh, that, you know, that have really refocused how we cooperate and how we, um, uh, help each other grow. Um, it used to be that in medicine, we sort of hid away and tried to come up with brilliant ideas and then release them 15 years later and, and then didn't actually think so much about whether they were incorporated into care or not. We just were so proud of these inventions. Um, and I think the, the new era for pediatric cardiology is in part represented by these tremendous learning networks that are, um, that are really joining hands and tackling complex problems um, in new and innovative ways and being particularly focused on bringing solutions to the families, to the patients mm. in, a, in a very immediate way. And so, um, so that's a lot of what we're working on these days. Well, I, uh, well, before you wrap up real quick, I just want to say while we have you here. I'll try to get through it without tears. Um, I remember the the moment when Laurel Stein came in mm. the room. And I guess it, it had to have been after Harding's second surgery. After he had recovered from the mm -hmm. uh, phrenic nerve paralysis. Mm -hmm. um, and she said, you know, the inner stage is over. It's time for you to pick like a regular... A physician, a mm -hmm. cardiologist for your for Harding. And I was like, okay, uh, that was like the last thing on my mind. I'm just like, my son's alive right now, thank God. Mm -hmm. um, but she's she had a list with everyone's picture, and uh, I was like, well, Laura, what do you think? <laughs> Who do you mm -hmm. think? Who do you think mm -hmm. would be good? And she was like, I think Dr. Matson would be a great fit for you guys. He's mm -hmm a rock star i think you know your personalities she did say there was great. not a bad one in the bunch she did say that yeah yeah yeah, yeah. that's not to diminish everyone else just the best one just the very it wasn't a bad one, one but just the best one <laughs> no but she was she was very like complimentary of yeah. you and and i was like great let's do it and mm. i think too what was happening at the time was we were working a lot with dr constantine when he was there mm -hmm. yeah. um and he was under you i believe mm-hmm or working with you. Mm -hmm. uh, so she's like, eh, you know, it makes sense for, to, to do Dr. Madsen. And I was like, great, let's do it. And I remember meeting you for the first time and being like, man, Laurel really did me a solid. <laughs> 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 just felt so grateful because in that moment, I just didn't have the capacity to like think mm -hmm. through what should I look for in a cardiologist? But like mm -hmm. she, she just, you know, led us to the, to the perfect, fit for our family and just want to say thank you for everything you've done for Harding and for our family and just being a voice of you know encouragement and a voice of passion and intelligence um for us and you're always our like uh 
sounding board for you know when something would come up we always like you said uh that's so important is to make yourself available to chd parents and we felt Mm -hmm. like we could reach out to you at any time and say hey this is kind of weird what do you think and Mm -hmm. you'd respond as quickly as you possibly could um so i know that you're no longer harding's cardiologist and i cry about it all the time but (laughs) i'm just super thankful that for our time that we had together no it's (laughs) it's super kind of you and it's 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 been my uh, great pleasure. I, um, it, these are special moments, and they're special moments, um, uh, f- you know, for all of us. And I think, um, uh, you know, you guys are, are such a wonderful family. And, and I think being a small part of that for a period of time in, in Harding's life is is such a privilege. And and yeah, I thank you for for sharing him and yourselves with with me and the clinic team and. Um, and, you know, I look forward to watching all of uh, Harding's exploits uh, from afar. And, and, you know, couldn't be easier now with you guys' uh, media empire. Right. That's right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, we are starting a music division, so we're going to be reaching yeah. out to the to the heartthrobs. Hello. I mean, you know, I'm happy to, you know, do some uh, songwriting. <laughs> well, it just takes two. So that's right. Um, <laughs> anyway, so. Thank you so much, Dr. Matson. Thank you so much for your time. I really enjoy just hearing your story, hearing about what's on the cutting edge for uh, pediatric cardiology is really exciting. And just your your spirit of keeping uh, medical professionals being approachable and also for the, uh, I guess, the call to action for CHC parents to step up and ask questions and be involved and, and knowing that that... Um, that is just the invitation is fr- is there from medical professionals. Yeah, just your advice in general, really, really great. And uh, so really appreciate your time. Yeah, I hope we get to c- continue to connect and, and stay connected in the future. So That sounds great. Thanks very much. Thanks. Awesome. I know I say this about a lot of episodes, but that was really a great, great one. I really love talking to Dr. Matson and getting to catch up with him and hear about what's on the cutting edge of cardiology and just hear his tips and advice. What was some of your favorite parts of our discussion with him, Tom? Yeah, again, it's so cool to think how innovative pediatric cardiology continues to be, and that just Mm -hmm. gives me so much hope. Yeah, and it's really exciting. Yeah, just that one, it's it's just makes me incredibly grateful for yes. the fact that my child was born during this time. Right. But then also it makes me hopeful that the continued care that, that he's going to get and all of our kiddos are going to get is just going to get better and better. And the problems that they're solving are just um, becoming more and more complex, but mm-hmm. in a good way, right? We're right. solving really good big complex problems right i love that and i love how much they want help and interaction from families and parents you know i love that transition he said that cardiology used to be like they would go up in an ivory tower and spend years and years and years on something and Mm -hmm. then bring it down and now they're they're inviting more of a collaborative approach right and i think that was really the biggest takeaway from the whole episode is just how collaborative the the medical professionals, the pediatric medical professionals want to be with yes. parents. Yeah, 100% in every aspect. So much so that they would make an 80s parody music <laughs> video. Uh, and you know what? I think 
I think we got to give the people what they want. That's right, guys. We're here to say we've got a special treat for you. We managed to get our hands on a copy of the audio from the video we kept talking about during the episode. It's who you're going to call cardiology. And this is Dr. Madsen and the Heartthrobs worldwide premiere. <laughs> here it clip. is. Here's a clip. Oh man, that's just so great. <laughs> it it's so me... great, especially if you can just visualize while you're listening to that song the the 80s hairband wigs yes. and costumes and stage dance moves. <laughs> yes. I guess is the best way I could put it. <laughs> and the fact that these are these are brilliant uh uh you know cardiology medical professionals. I know. But just just trying to make themselves more approachable to us. And I just love it. I love it. You know, and I think that's the most striking thing about this is that that is how much they want to collaborate with CHD parents. That's how much they want to invite CHD parents to the table Mm -hmm. and give them a say, give them power, make a connection with them, that they're willing to even do things like that. Right. To foster that kind of connection. Yeah, you know, I I love that Dr. Madsen talked so much about how important that is to the pediatric cardiology field. And I love that he just encouraged parents to be proactive, to take advantage of that. Like your cardiologist, your cardiology team is waiting for you to ask questions, right? They, they want to hear from you. And so what we need to do as parents, you know, is... is take advantage of that come with a list of questions you know um not be afraid to to be vulnerable in front of them because they care about you they care about your kid you know they're not going to think you're stupid for asking any question it's like dr Matson said any question is a good question they just love that you're coming to the table you know and i get it it's it's not easy right you know i remember um after harding's after one of harding's surgeries and we were we had an extended hospital stay afterwards, and there was a lot of uncertainty of where he was, um, and what and what his well being was going to be, and so I remember I was stressed to the max. I would I was I remember sitting in his hospital room, and there's the charts, there's the graphs, there's the monitors, and there's the beeping, and I can't interpret any of it. I don't right. know if it's good or bad or okay or a big deal or not a big deal. Right. And I remember. That teams of doctors would come in, nurses would come in, they would they would read charts, they would read monitors and screens, they would talk to me, they would talk to each other, and I couldn't understand enough of what they were saying. So what I remember doing is I would sit in the room and I would just watch everybody's facial expressions mm-hmm. and body language to determine, do they look assured? Do they seem concerned? Right. Are they are they like satisfied? Are they not right. satisfied? Are they worried? Are they scared? And it was exhausting. It was yeah, exhausting. It's like being in a foreign land. That's the best way I can describe it. It's like being in a foreign country. Right. And that's like, there are just these barriers, I think, at the beginning of the CHD journey for parents to help them form that 
trusting relationship with the medical team, you know, one is just that you're scared, right? You're scared for what's going to happen to your kid, what's going to happen to your family. And it's hard to be vulnerable when we're scared. The other thing is that we're tired, we're exhausted. We're going through one of the hardest things we've ever been through. We're not getting any sleep in the hospital. And our our family is being pulled at both ends, right? Um, and the other thing is, you know, like we talked about in, in the uh, interview, which is just like, you're kind of afraid of what you don't know. You know, you're afraid that you're going to be made to feel stupid. Um, and it's just hard to get over those barriers at the beginning. Yeah, it's just a learning curve. It and is. That, and that's an encouragement to CHD parents out there. There is a learning curve at, at first. Yes. But eventually you get there. You, you do. You eventually do. you get the hang of it. You just got to give it time, practice. It'll come. And a big part of it, though, is when it comes to a cardiologist, you know, it's it's choosing the right one. And mm-hmm. I, and I do want to say, uh, you know, we 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 love Dr. Madsen because he was our guy, and we and Harding has a new cardiologist, and we love him just as much. Anyone who's taking care of your kids, you know, they're your hero. But Dr. Madsen and these other cardiologists, they just they're all the same in the sense that they're really really skilled. They know what they're doing, and they really care about your kid. And choosing the the right one is not necessarily um, qualifications, although that might be an element. But it's mm-hmm. more about who has a good connection with you? Who, who can you build a good relationship with? And that's something yeah. that Dr. Madsen said is just kind of know yourself, know how you want your information, how you want to communicate. Mm-hmm. Do you want all the information all at once? Do you want to know everything? Do you want to know it in bite-sized chunks? Do you, what is it? And, and in, you know, meeting your cardiology team and getting a feel for them mm-hmm. is a really important thing because gosh, they're, they are on your side. They're on right. your team, you know, again. And I think that's that can be another barrier is to, like, remind yourself of that. In our book, we talk about, like, enemies and allies of just that CHD journey. And it can be so easy to f- to feel like the medical staff is the enemy because, you know, they're the ones that are performing these, like, uh, surgeries and tasks that are they bring bad news hurting your child right and it they're hurting your child to like fix your child and to, and to ultimately heal them but I think it's just a gut response as a parent to like not really like someone who's causing your child pain right uh, so that's just a, another barrier that you kind of have to go oh no that's just kind of my natural instincts kicking in but really they're here to help right yeah yeah, and like I said, yeah, they they are the ones bringing the bad news when it comes, right. and and they can uh, have to make the tough calls that right. you know that can go one way or the other. Mm-hmm. But you know, for us, the cardiology team and our cardiologists specifically, I mean, we have relied on that resource so much. You know, yes. we went whether or not to send Harding to school during coronavirus, whether mm-hmm. or not. Harding can be involved in different activities, whether or not uh, Harding needs to come in for um, for a checkup or whether or not he can wait uh, another three months. Just mm-hmm. decisions like that, having the right person that you connect with and gel with is, is really important there. You know, because the thing is, there, and I hope that if anything of what Dr. Madsen communicated you heard that they, your cardiologist, your cardiology team want to 
connect with you. They want to invite you in Mm -hmm. to the conversation. Mm -hmm. And the other part of that is it's your responsibility to lean into that. Mm -hmm. Like they're, they're so, they so want to connect with you that they would make a parody video to get (laughs) you to call them. Right. And so call them. Right. Rely. I mean, gosh, we've relied so much on our team to help us navigate uh, the world of a CHD parent because it's not easy. Yeah. And just as a last thought here, one of the things I love that he said is hope is crucial to the CHD journey. You want to retain your hope, you know, and that's what's going to keep pulling you through. It's it's what's going to help you appreciate the everyday, like we talked about in that episode, how valuable the everyday is. And that's just something that you and I are really passionate about is maintaining hope in the midst of all of it. Yeah, it's almost like we made a podcast and called it Something yeah. Encourage. Something like that. Something. Positivity Encourage. I think that's it. Yeah, that's positivity. It. <laughs> positivity Encourage. That's our episode for today. Thank you so much for listening. In addition to this podcast, we have lots of other resources to help support, encourage, and equip CHD parents. These can all be found at TomandCatHanson.com. The one we are most excited about is our book. Yes, we've written a book. It's called Hope and Courage, Real Life Lessons from the Parents of a Child with Congenital Heart Disease. It's a must read for CHD parents because it gives you a story that only you can relate to and valuable insights you need to live a happy and fulfilling life. It's almost ready and you can sign up now on our website to join our mailing list to be the first notified when it's ready to be purchased. While you wait, we'll go ahead and send you a free resource, Top 10 Tips for CHD Parents, which you will love. You can follow us at Tom and Cat Hansen on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Also, please rate, follow, and subscribe to this podcast on whatever platform you listen to it on. It really helps this project grow. With that, we'll talk to you next time.